You know, some guys might decide that it's a little too tough or it's a little too hard, it's a little too demanding. It's Division One football! It's the Big 12! It ain't intramurals! You got two weeks after finals, you got a week of July 4th, and you got a week before camp starts. That's a month! That's probably more vacation than you guys get. And we're a little bummed out that we don't get three weeks. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. Welcome to Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. Follow us on social media at RunPodOption on Twitter or email us RunPodOption at gmail.com. We are the 96-yard flea flicker of podcasts. <laughs> How do you guys feel about that? Let's jump Let's jump right in. You're the Music City Miracle. <laughs> did y'all watch the Colorado-Nebraska game at all? No, man. I wish I did. Jeff? Uh, I only saw the screenshots where the entire Colorado stadium was red. Yeah, that I I ended up. It was kind of a Nebraska Colorado sandwich. I watched the first quarter, noticed how Colorado couldn't stop anything, and so I switched that off the third screen, only to have Twitter yell at me right as the fourth quarter started that this game was getting good. I, I flipped over, and I think I saw like maybe four scores in the fourth quarter, and then overtime. It was a lot of fun. Nebraska went up seventeen zero at the half. Colorado scored a touchdown. Nebraska scored back, and then it just was all Colorado after that, including a 96-yard flea flicker, Kyle. <laughs> Which may be the last, the last, the biggest flea flicker in yardage. I think it's the last one that's ever been used, that'll ever be used, ever. <laughs> the final flea flicker. Week two was uh, really fun for me as a Syracuse fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, pal. Jesus. So either Maryland has... The greatest offense known to man. They put up 79 and 63 in the last two weeks. Yeah, they have scored more points than anybody else in FBS. Watching that game, Jackson looked amazing yeah. as a quarterback. Like, I, I do kind of think that it was one of those things where Syracuse was probably looking ahead. And they kind of got inflated after their, their win against Liberty and shutting them out. But man, it didn't look like they could do anything. Jackson was getting the ball out of, the, out of his hands real quick. There was just no answer. It took about a it took about two minutes for me to see where that game was going. And honestly, Devito didn't have that bad of a game. He actually had a pretty good game. He had three touchdowns, had around three hundred yards passing. Yeah, that game was not Devito's fault. No, no, it was all defense, which seems to be a running theme for me this weekend. I mean, it was just it was bad. It was a bad defensive uh, defensive showing. They have. The biggest game of the year showing coming right now, which they're now basically twenty seven point underdogs. Yeah, I I don't know where to go looking at that game. Honestly, like offensively, Devito is fine. The running game was shoddy at best, but that defense just could not get a foothold. Dreadful. Oh, Maryland just ran him out of the stadium. DeVito did great. His running game didn't help him. But it seemed like it might be an offensive line issue uh, for Syracuse. Um, or, or Maryland's that good on defense and the defensive line. 
And if that is the case, then the Clemson game might be real ugly. That, that might be the case, uh, because Syracuse is bringing in a lot of new linemen. They're replacing a lot of what they lost last week, last year. They've moved their center, Aaron Service, out left. You've got a guy in Ryan Alexander who is a transfer from South Alabama. You've got Evan Adams is a right guard that probably has played more in the last couple of years than a lot of people have really, you know, than a lot of other people on the line, including last year's line. But they're replacing a lot. And growing pains, man. That's why I didn't think they'd do more than 8-4 and four this year. It's still definitely on the table. But it's kind of one of those things that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a step back to go a step forward next year. Do you feel good about 8-4? and four? No, I, I think that that's the high watermark, honestly. I would be happy with 7-6, and 8-4. and four. No, I'd be happy with, what, 6-6, six and six, honestly, if that's a thing that can be achieved. Jeff, were you, were you able to catch the Syracuse game at all? I kind of had it on, on like, a secondary station. and I mean, every time I would turn it on, Maryland was just shredding them. Yeah. Yeah. It was shocking. As soon as Syracuse smartened up and started covering the receivers properly, the running game <laughs> just took over, too. It was kind of a pick yeah. your poison. And if you want, we can dive into Maryland a little bit. I don't have a hot or cold opinion on Maryland. Don't hate them. Don't love them. Hated Randy Edsel for them. And I always <laughs> kind of hoped and I always kind of hoped that they would be the the uh, the white to organs black with Under Armour being the main sponsor, and it just never really panned out. But no, because they ended up just throwing their flag on everything. Dude, those those jerseys are so cool looking. I hate them. I love them, Jeff. They're awful. Oh no! Well, we can't really trust Jeff because he is a Michigan fan, and he has to hate every team in the Big Ten. Because he's selfish. Uh, we can't trust Marty because he has terrible taste in clothes. That's awful. Wow. In clothes. <laughs> not just in uniforms. In clothes. <laughs> well, as Jeff is popping in and out of the chat right now, uh, I am wearing a cutoff Fighting Farmers Playoff Fever t-shirt, uh, which is my go-to. Uh, Jeff, how did, uh, how did your team do this week? Your team being Michigan. If you read any of the Michigan uh, sites, a lot of the previews this week, they have this funny thing where they just say, don't schedule service academies. It's a bad idea. It's a great lesson. And hopefully everyone emailed or mailed Michigan's athletic director after this game. <laughs> so Michigan doesn't support our troops. Michigan was going to lose that game either way. Either They either beat Army or they beat America. So Or lose the Army or beat America. I think that logic works out. Yeah. It was a bad game. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was Army just sucked up huge chunks of time and Michigan fumbled three times in the first half and then they just couldn't they couldn't get it going in the second half and they really were lucky to win, so it seemed like a bold a bold strategy when you know that you're gonna be limited for offensive possessions to also then just give away offensive possessions. Yeah. Because <laughs> was it three was it three or four fumbles in the first half? It was three. Three lost. I think they only ended up losing two. God, that is... But wild. it was like two series in a row. You know, and they gave up... Michigan's defense is not great when there's sudden change. So, I think both times Army scored when they got the ball. So, it was, it was pretty rough. 
Well, you know your you know your shift's about to start, and you don't know when it's going to end. <laughs> like it's just it's it could be uh it could be three minutes, it could be fifteen minutes. It just you never yeah. know how long you're going to be out there. But they got the win. That's definitely the problem playing a service academy right there. Yeah, they love to suck up suck up time. I want Army to play every top five team like yearly. I would love it. Actually. I don't know if this is real. I have to look it up. But someone was saying Oklahoma is going to Army next year. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Army played at Oklahoma last year. That's a good way to break in Spencer Rattler. <laughs> his first, <laughs> like it'd be first or second game as a full time starter, and having to go to Army, which is probably going to be a pretty tough play. You know what? Honestly, it's going to be if it's early in the season, which it likely is. The weather's probably going to be great. Thanks, West Point. Army is officially, I think, my favorite my favorite academy school for football. Okay. Now that Navy slid off. Really so what have. you're saying right now is that you're a, you're a front runner. <laughs> when it comes to war, yes. <laughs> always. Always, Kyle. Marty's all about the ground and pound. Yeah. So. Real quick before we move on to the next game. Best slash most likely Power 5 school that Munkin could get a job at and win 10 games a year. Using the same system? Using the same system. Ooh. Power 5. Power 5, yeah. Let's skip group of five. I'm going to say Iowa. I feel like you wouldn't have to change that much. <laughs> well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to say Georgia Tech. Well, <laughs> but he couldn't win 10 Because you really wouldn't have to change anything. All right, here you go. He can stay in the same region-ish that he's in. Big Ten, Rutgers. Ooh, that's the right answer. That's the only way they're going to be... I mean, they just... I don't know if you guys saw them this weekend. They were <laughs> awful. I actively avoid Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. Again. Yeah, it's nothing new, right? And, and they're going to be in... Right. They're going to be looking for a coach again. Yep. And, and, if, and if you've ever... The only reason I even know this is because Stephen Godfrey's reporting, but the way that Army works in recruiting, too, with having their own academy team. So even your guys that aren't playing that are freshmen are still playing football at a pretty decent level still. Like, they kind of have a unique uh, set, not unlike Brigham Young, except that I think they're making the best of it. Yeah, I want to see Monkin get a top five, a power five job. Maybe not a top five job. If he wins 10 games again this year, I don't know how someone won't do it. He's just, he's done an amazing job there. I, I guess it's really, it's its up to the boosters though, right? Like it's like the same way that Arizona State was looking at him last year. Yeah. Or was it, no, it was Arizona last year. And year before last, sorry, Ken Niamatololo. <laughs> but, but Khalil, I nailed it. Uh, but Khalil Tate was just like, no, I'm not here to run the triple option. So it never happened. I think the players could also prevent a move like that from happening. Maybe Tennessee will get sick of it. <laughs> Are they not already sick of it? What a bad way to start the season. Kyle, I know they weren't fantastic when you attended the university, but they weren't this bad. No, they weren't losing these games. They were still winning these kind of games. What do you think the mood is in Knoxville right now? Apathetic. Just sick of it? Yeah, I mean, it's been... But they haven't been really relevant since Phil Fulmer left. 
in the mid 2000s. I'd say that's what we're at 10 years now, 11 years since his last season. Yeah, it's probably like 08. Yeah, probably his last season. Yeah, that was with Kiffin's first year. You're right. Yeah, 2008. He went five and seven, and then they brought in Lane. And their last double-digit win season was in 2007. We talked about that a little bit before, but like you think about a, a, a team with a, a stadium that sits 100,000 people, has that kind of you know fan base and alumni network and resources, and it's just that's wild to me. They can't. Well, it's also it out. an athletic department that that actually turns a profit. Yeah, which is which rare. is very rare. Yep, and. It's not like they're not getting good recruits. No, they're recruiting really well. Yeah. They just don't know how to translate it to an actual game. In Knoxville, it was apathetic when I was there. It can't be. It's got to be terrible now. People are just waiting for women's basketball season. (laughs) And men's basketball season because they've looked pretty damn good under Rick Barnes. So, I mean, it's, it's gotten to that point. It's... It's disappointing. It seems like the athletic department and the boosters can't seem to get on the same page. Either when it comes to hiring a coach. I mean, look at what just went down with the Greg Schiano BS. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that he was the answer because he's not. No, but I, th- I think he did show a little bit behind the curtain, though. Like the way how yeah. just how big of a mess it is that. A, Greg Schiano would have been on top of the list and that they were so, that they subjected themselves to the criticism. And even if he was their guy, instead of sticking by it, just saying, oh, no, we can't, we can't do that. You see how upset everybody is? And when it comes down to it, he's a dickhead, right? We all agree, but he's not, he's not as inflammatory as Art Bryles, I don't think. You know, there's, there's worse high... There's worse hires to make, uh, and Greg. It's Schiano. very much Guardians of the Galaxy, where where he says, you know, I know I'm an a hole, but I'm not 100 percent a dick. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. seriously, he's not Petrino. You know, I think Pruitt deserves another year, no matter what happens this one, anyways. Because I, yeah. I, I'm sick of the two year thing anyway. It's that's yeah, that's how you get. You can't in get position. your own guys in, right? Yeah, and they gave Butch Jones. Five, almost five full years, and he was nine and four, mm-hmm. nine and four, and then when he hit was four and six, they decided to can him. I, yeah. I don't know if they need to eventually reel in their historical expectations, or they need to get somebody that maybe is not going to win at all, but it's going to maybe satisfy your boosters, like a Bo Pelini, who's doing great at Youngstown State, and who did who did great for Nebraska. We found out once he was gone, and they were mediocre until uh, Scott Frost came back in. But I think I mean I think Nebraska and Tennessee are very similar in that aspect. They feel like that you know they still got that '90s and '80s juice, and that that's where they need to be all the time. And they haven't really looked at themselves in the mirror in the last 15, 20 years, and realized that they were they're not that. I heard an interview with Harson, the Boise State head coach, and they talked about the way Boise State is perceived in media, right? And how he feels about being the trick play school. And he said, you know, the year that we did that trick play, the Statue of Liberty, I think it was those kids that were watching that in first grade are now playing football. That's about right. It was 07. Yeah, so 12 12 years ago. 
Yep. So for those kids in first grade, do you think that meant God, shit? Who's the quarterback? Uh, Zabransky. Jared. Jared Zabransky. <laughs> and they had, uh, who was the running back? Uh, Ian Johnson. Ian Johnson. Yep. But it was like I-A-I-N, right? Wasn't it a weird spelling? He got married. I hope the wedding was fine. He's probably got two kids that are in 10th grade now. <laughs> yeah, he's got <laughs> <laughs> What other games did you guys want to talk about before we uh, hop off a of week two? We could probably look a little bit into the Clemson-Texas A&M game. Okay. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it to... Well, I didn't expect it to be that close as late as it was. and uh, But then Clemson kind of started to pile on. For what it's worth... The score, because it ended up being 24 to 10, it was not that close. Like, it felt that. it, it Points-wise, it was that close because Jimbo wanted to cover. But it wasn't, it was not even, A&M didn't have anything. They had that, they had a drive that netted that field goal, and it was all Clemson. Well, I think that that was the thing that really surprised me was how it got into the second quarter and there was no score. I I did not see that coming. Mon, I was only watching it sporadically, but Mon was not good. Was that more of just Clemson shutting it down entirely, or, or did he have an off week? Both. Yeah. I, I. It seemed like he was under consistent pressure. His running backs, they also didn't run the ball enough, and either they couldn't or they wouldn't. But they, they, there are two running backs, Joshua Corbin, who, Joshon, I'm sorry, Joshon Corbin, who's out for the rest of the year, I think now. And Isaiah Spiller, they were 20 rushes for 58 yards. They were just stuffed. Ooh. Yeah, they couldn't, yeah. I mean, they couldn't do anything. And Kellen Mond was running for his life and getting hit constantly. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'd imagine if the, if the quarterback hits, there were a ton of them. If you enjoy watching innovative defensive coordinators, Venables is amazing. I mean... If you read any of the Ian Boyds and all those guys online, like they just love to talk about how he really has evolved a lot. I mean, you think about he's been coordinating what for almost twenty years now, and he just yeah. keeps getting better and better. And they, they throw out some like crazy formations, like they'll have three down line and four. Like it's not just a good old four three. It's and then Elko's the same way from Texas A and M. So it was it was from what I saw of it, it was. It was a good game, but I was it was definitely surprising. I think AM can't be upset about the loss. They had to know that they weren't Clemson level yet. But as far as a measuring stick goes, almost beating them at home last year and then this year getting pretty beat down, but also preventing that offense from really taking off. Trevor Lawrence had a pretty good day, but ETN did not. He had a an average day, really. He had a couple of big plays, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I think Kellen Mond, if he is, he will be a senior next year. So if he sticks around, they might be really fun to watch next year and be able to actually possibly challenge a team like Clemson, I guess. Challenge for the uh, SEC West? Definitely for the SEC West. If, if, if nothing else, just the trajectory over this last year and what we've seen from them this year. But there's a lot that can go wrong between now and then. They'll lose a game they shouldn't to Mississippi State. 
Yeah. Or Mississippi. You know, that they still have that in them. But they've got they've got I'm skipping the Lamar game. Uh, but they've got Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Old Miss, Mississippi State, UTSA, South Carolina, and they end the season at Georgia and at LSU. Ooh. Yeah, that's a rough way to end it. And that LSU game from last year that went seven overtimes, if it does that again, I'll I'll jump out of a window. God, please let that happen. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD. Did you guys catch the Texas LSU game? Most of it. Jeff, what takeaways do you have? I mean, I'm just, I'm still in shock of what LSU has become. <laughs> like, they're full-on spread and shred. It's free. Fast tempo. Like, I, you know, I watched Les Miles lose a game 14-7 to and I'm dead, so. Like, okay, that's what I've heard is that Joe Burrows and that LSU offense is it's awesome. insanity right now. Yeah. Joe Burrows the truth. He is. At this point. And I would like to take 2005 to 2009 era USC and LSU and show them, send them in a time machine, let them look at the offenses that they're running now, and just say, like, this is what you could do, guys, but you don't. You won't do it. Yeah, I hope it sticks. LSU running this kind of offense is fun. It makes me want to watch them. For so long, whenever Les Miles was there, did not have any interest in watching any of their games. Unless it was a big one, and even then, I was kind of sick of it. It was going to be weak quarterback play, and it was a run-heavy, you know, it was just the same yeah. old story. Hey, you didn't want to watch Ryan Pirlo? God, it didn't have much of an opportunity, really, when you consider it. Yeah, that's true. Well, he but, didn't get kicked off the team, too. He did, yeah. Yes, yes he did. <laughs> but, Went to Jacksonville State, I think, afterwards. Yeah, he. I think it was, it might have been Jackson State. I'm going to freestyle that. It's one of the two. A J State, for sure. But it was the same old song and dance, right? It was like pro style. It was a Mettenberger-type quarterback that would just chuck the ball and occasionally be okay. It was a team that would have... Dwayne Bowes Five and, OBJ, yeah, and Odell Beckham and not do anything with them. Can you imagine? Jarvis Landry. Uh, yeah, and like like good receivers, genuinely, and they never really got a chance to shine. They'd only end up with this, like, you know, 500, 600 yards receiving on their season because <laughs> they either wouldn't get passed to enough or whenever they were passing, it was an obvious third and five play action pass that was 40 yards downfield. I love this LSU. What did you think about Texas? Because Ellinger played a really good game, I thought. He played better than I expected him to. I've never been a huge Ellinger fan, and he proved me wrong. They were great. Yeah. It was clear who was the DBU, and it was neither team that was in that stadium. (laughs) Because seemingly they just decided to go uh, man-to-man and stack the box, even against Texas. LSU would have the box stacked on against a team that didn't have a running back. And they just insisted upon it. Who is LSU's offensive coordinator? Isn't it uh, 
Brady. He came from the Saints. Tom Brady. Tom it's, Brady. He. It's Steve Ensminger. Oh right. He's. Uh, you know what? He might he, be the co-offensive coordinator. He. So he was there last year, and they brought in. I don't know what what Brady was. Oh for, yeah, Joe Brady. Saints. Yeah, he was on their staff, and I guess he just totally revamped their offense. Yeah, he was. He's an offensive assistant, uh, or he was a Saints offensive assistant, and he's the passing game coordinator. And I'd say that he's earned it. He's twenty eight years old. So they better promote him, or he'll be coached. Yeah, he'll he'll have a if he wants to stay in college, he'll have a proper OC job or a head coaching job tomorrow. Well, screw that. He's twenty eight. He's going to be the next head coach of. Uh... The Miami Dolphins. Oh, jeez. I'd honestly be here for it. <laughs> Frankly, they need they need help. Dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, that's... The, the Dolphins... This LSU team would get hammered by the Dolphins, but I bet you for like a quarter, it'd be pretty close. Honestly, yeah. With how they're going. I just hate that argument. Because <laughs> there's never... It's just like, well, they're professionals. It wouldn't stand a chance. But uh, Brady's offense has been fantastic. I just hate that his last name's Brady. I only caught the first half of the USC and Stanford game. Yes. And I'm glad I didn't stick around for the Cal and Washington game that ended at 4 a.m. Eastern time (laughs) because of a a two-and-a-half-hour lightning delay. But Graham Harrell has arrived, and I can't be more excited, man. I hate USC, but I'm so happy for Graham Harrell. Keaton Slovis, 28 for 33, 377 yards and three touchdowns. And the receiver, uh, low-key, one of the best receiver names, Amon Ra St. Brown, had eight catches, 97 (laughs) yards and two touchdowns. Total transformation. Like, you watched them last year, and they were boring. They were plotting. They could not move the ball. And now it's just like Graham Harrell's effect was quick. Very quick on them. It's the easiest system in football to implement. Why? Because it has like five plays. That's <laughs> and 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 everyone. So there's there's like the generic. Yeah, there's five plays. Mike Leach, for instance, I think we've all read that piece that had the quarterbacks on the athletic, kind of telling them how it was, how easy the offense was to pick up, because he basically lets the quarterback make that play. I don't think a f- true freshman is probably doing that at the line, but there's going to be a touch of that with Graham Harrell. That system's designed to allow an average to above average quarterback to put up great numbers. And when you pair that with even USC hasn't been USC for a while now, they've still got elite talent all over the field. And I'm happier for them too, not just the quarterback, but those, those receivers that were sticking around from last year to this year, how much more freedom and how much more fun they're probably having, whether it be in practice or during the game, actually knowing that they're going to be part of the game plan consistently yeah. they've got a big test coming up uh, they're going at brigham young home against utah at washington and at notre dame so we're going to see if that offense can uh if it's been fully implemented quite yet because stanford kind of just bent over and took it after the second quarter i mean is this the year that stanford finally falls off and i mean they've kind of been in the downward trajectory for a few years but it's interesting because so costello was out for this game but both, both teams didn't have their starting quarterback. I don't know if Costello adds that much to this game. It was 45-20. Maybe you go, it's 45-28, or it's 45-35, and it's a closer game. But 
Sanford's defense gave up 45 points, 42 of it in two and a half quarters. So if you don't have that, which is what's kept you afloat for kind of these mediocre years, Jeff, you and I talked about in last episode. Yeah. Let's see if it's the beginning of the end for David Shaw and see if Stanford can maybe, I don't know, maybe hire that Army head coach. It's got something going for it. Well, there you go. Be a good fit. Bring that out, West. Are we ready to move to uh, week three? Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, excellent. So before we jump fully in, the picks we made last week, there were 12 of them. We each finished six and six, so... Uh, <laughs> we're incredibly average. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's, it's a tough thing. Uh, it's a tough thing, guys. And if you're listening to this podcast to get the inside track on uh, betting, don't. Please don't. Please stop listening. <laughs> please, yeah, please just skip skip this part. We know what we're doing half the time. <laughs> or, or, you know what? Listen to this and then just tweet at us at RunPodOption and tell us how wrong we were on every pick. Before the game Please started, do that. During the games, all of it. So we've got, uh, we've got 12 games to pick from. Ten of them you guys know. I'm going to surprise you with another two. Uh, let's start in no particular order, and let's go Florida at Kentucky. Florida are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Kentucky just lost their starting quarterback for the year, too. I think I'm going to take Florida. I think Kentucky was kind of a flash in the pan last year. Yeah, with Benny Snell. They definitely were. And Josh Allen. Yeah, I think I, think I agree, too. I think Kentucky might have a really good blueprint for what that team can be moving forward. But when you lose that much and you also lose your quarterback for the year, even though Florida didn't look spectacular, I think Florida probably runs away. We have got a lot of home dogs this week. Uh, We have Maryland at Temple. Maryland are four-point favorites. Oh, give me Maryland all day long in that. That offense looks insane right now. Yes. Yes, please. Temple's line, not a bad that team. That line is crazy. I'm surprised. How many points, if you had to guess, do you think they they win by? I'm going to give you at least 18. Yeah, I was going to say 14. And it's an afternoon game. Which didn't slow them down. Didn't slow them down against Syracuse. No. and they're taking like a like a bus trip up the up the road to go to Temple. Yeah, it's no time to get there at all. <laughs> yeah. okay. I think I'm going to go Maryland to cover as well. We have got Kansas State at Mississippi State. The Ooh. Bulldogs are nine point favorites. I'm going to take Kansas State to cover. Yep, Kansas State's looked really good. Who is their coach now? It's the uh, North Dakota State lad. Right. Yeah, they won their two games, 52 nothing and 49-14. It's the ghost of Bill Snyder. It really is. It's Chris Kleeman. And all this time, we knew Kansas State wasn't as bad as advertised, right? They just had, they ran the most. Yeah. They could develop players. They just ran the weirdest offense in college football. Aren't they still running just a run-heavy, like, single back? What did, what did they run at North Dakota State? It's basically that. It's it's a it's either so a, it's a, pretty similar, right? Yeah, so it's either running. it's I formation or single back. There's some pistol thrown in there, but it's the same offense that Carson Wentz ran in. Huh. Interesting. So you're still utilizing the quarterback's feet, 
like Bill Snyder did, but you're just not running them into the ground. You're not running them up center, up the uh, <laughs> up, up the A gap over and over and over again. <laughs> you're not basically doing a QB dive. Yeah, you're not trying to give Colin Klein give him brain damage. Give him CT. Yep. <laughs> just to kind of buck the trend, I think I'm, I'll take I'll take Mississippi State. I don't think it'll really happen, but. I think it's might it might might be a really good game. Last year's was very ugly. I think this year's might be a lot of fun. I hope it is. It's got a fifty-two under over, and I think it goes over, like handed. That wouldn't surprise me. We have got Florida State at Virginia. The Cavaliers are eight-point favorites. Oh, I am taking Florida State to cover. I'm taking Virginia to cover. I don't trust Florida State at all. They almost lost to Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I don't like UVA, I think they're good. And I, I can't take Florida State seriously right now, which is weird to say. You know, if, if Florida State has any more players line up backwards on a passing play, I think. <laughs> okay, let's, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, after after burying Art Bryles, I'm going to defend Kendall Bryles. So do you see the play result? No, I didn't, what was it? I think it only ended up going for like eight yards, but... That was before the snap, obviously. And they began motion with the guy facing the wrong way. He did a jet sweep across the line. Huh. Okay. So which is the only so all he did was he just started facing backwards, which to me is just looks wheels off. It really does. The screenshot does not do it any favors, but I think it's kind of a a neat wrinkle that was added to the offense because you know Louisiana Monroe was hanging with him the whole time, but you know they were looking at that going, what the, what is actually, I don't know what's happening. This is the, I don't know what to do. Who's my man? He's facing the other end zone. Is he about to sprint that way? Does he have to go to the bathroom? Does he not want to cause a false start and he just needs to go to the bathroom? Is this a Canadian football league? What's happening? He's going to turn around and just take off after like a five yard. (laughs) (laughs) He does a wind sprint down and then comes back. It's like a delayed screen. Is he going to try to go near the center and start a scrum and think it's, it's rugby? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Jeff, who do you have? Do you have Virginia covering? Man, it's at Virginia. I haven't been super impressed with Virginia. I watched them beat up on Pitt, but I don't I don't really have any feelings about that. So I'll take Florida State. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm, I'm only taking Florida State to cover because I know they, they probably can't slow down Virginia, but Virginia's not particularly no. fast. I think they can hang with Virginia, though. I don't know if Virginia can slow them down, but I guess we'll see. We have got Washington State at Houston, and Washington State are 10-point favorites. Give me Houston to cover. Ooh. I'm going to go Washington State to cover, but... The over-under set at 74, and I know we're not picking that, but I'm going to bet the under. Yeah, I'm going to go with Houston. Houston to cover the 10? I just think it's close. Okay, excellent. We have what might be one of the most interesting games. No, no, never mind. A game that nobody can actually watch, but is also going to be really interesting. Hawaii at Washington. Uh, Washington are 23-point favorites. Really? Oh, I think Hawaii is going to cover. Yeah, that's all Hawaii. I think, and I, I might be mistaken, uh, if Hawaii wins, they'll be 3-0 and in the Pac-12. <laughs> that's adorable. 
I think Washington's going to win. I think they're going to cover the 23. Wow. After their performance last week. Yeah, after looking so bad, I think Eason's going to light up Hawaii. That's a lot of points, man. That is a lot of points. But 23 and Cole McDonald, he's known to throw an interception or two. Washington doesn't have the defense they had last year, but I think I think there's a chance for a pick six or something in there to be the difference and, and have them cover. Next up, we have Oklahoma at UCLA, and Oklahoma are seventeen point favorites. Give me Oklahoma all day long. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how it's. I really don't understand how it's so low. UCLA is trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. UCLA is maybe three years away. <laughs> they, they, they uh they have some three years of a new coach away. See, I, so Chip Kelly's He'll there. He'll be gone in three years. Yeah. <laughs> they have a ten year plan with him. Like they've come out, I think they they said as much. Like five or ten years is nothing to UCLA. They really said that. Yeah, like it. It's he's not even close to the hot seat. I mean, on one hand, I give them kudos because so many teams are only giving, like you said, two two or three years. I mean, that's not even enough time to get a whole recruiting class. The problem is his recruiting classes have been crap, and his offense is garbage. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm wondering a little bit too, just. I guess he's on the record of saying he hates recruiting, which is not great to hear from your head coach. <laughs> but he was handed when he went and he became the head coach at Oregon. He had a pipeline that existed. And I think UCLA doesn't have a pipeline yet. And I'm not so sure Chip Kelly may be the right person to do it. But I do think he's taking guys that are maybe three stars or four, low four stars instead of aiming for five because he knows he can coach them or they fit a certain mold at this point. And then let's say we keep going, and in year four, they come out and they're nine and three. And then they've got four seasons worth of recruiting of guys that fit his system. I think that's the ideal scenario. I think it's also best case. I don't see them just turning around next year either with the way they've looked so bad last year. And so bad this year. I mean, they are. They were really young last year. They had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of injuries this year again. They're still. They're still very young. I think they only have like nine scholarship seniors. So you're. You're right. I mean, they're probably going to be bad again. But I just don't. Their recruiting is in the can. Like I think they're like 60th or something this year. Like it's just dreadful. It's weird because in my lifetime, I feel like UCLA's never been great, but I've always thought they should be better. And I don't know if it's because they have one of the cleanest uniforms or the coolest like color, you know, color combinations in football. I don't know why that is because they they really are not very good no. very frequently. I've always felt like they're on the verge though. Like when they had Maurice Jones Drew, I thought that they were on the verge. Looking back, right? So for our for our memory, so in 97 and 98 and in 2005 they had 10 win seasons. And then Jim Mora had two more in 2013 and 14. But there's a lot of a lot of games in here. And I'm wondering if maybe I think it because between like 02 and 2007, between 2002 and 2007, they went to five, uh, six straight bowl games. They didn't win them all. They lost four of them actually. But I'm wondering if maybe that's what's making me feel that way. I, I don't know. I feel like they always should be better. I mean, they're in the... They're in one of the most talent-rich parts of the country, and UCLA is, I mean, by all accounts, a good school. It's just, it blows my mind that 
even if you have a coach that doesn't want to recruit, like hire a staff of recruiters. That's what some schools do really well. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, take it out of his hands. I think it's going to be interesting, but I think UCLA might also understand with them signing on with Chip and Chip's weird, he's doing his own thing, and signing up for him for the long haul, they might just be comfortable in the fact that they're the Texas Tech in this scenario and they need a system. Because here's here's the crazy thing. If Chip Kelly gets four or seven or eight years, I bet you whoever replaces them is going to do what Loxley's doing at Maryland right now. Because Chip Kelly can build a foundation, I believe. That's me. That's just a guess. And if nothing else, look how quickly Oregon fell without him. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. To, let's move on to the next game. Instead of just, we're going to probably talk about Chip Kelly every damn week because they're going to they're going to be awful. <laughs> We've got game day's game, El Asico, Iowa at Iowa State, and the Cyclones are one point favorites. Basically, a pick them. Give me the Cyclones. I'm going Iowa to pound them. Honestly, Ooh, Iowa has won four in a row in their series, so I don't see that changing. That means they're due for a loss, though. As soon as you put that out, in the, yeah. As soon as you put that in the universe, that's what happens. Yeah, but I mean, Iowa State. How are they this year? Kind of, eh. They've looked like a mess. Yeah. No, David Montgomery. I think they find find a way to do it this weekend, and it's basically a pick'em at this point. So yeah, and you're right; it has been close. So and they've had two weeks to prepare for whatever that's worth. That that might help Iowa State more than anything. But I feel like Iowa State's strength being that they can defend against spread option teams, and Iowa is not that. I feel like they're they're less comfortable with more linebackers on the field. Yeah, so they're going to run their their three three five against Iowa's two yeah. three tight end offense. Yeah, with, with yeah, with, as as Iowa's lining up like fifteen hundred <laughs> pounds worth of offensive linemen and tight ends to block. <laughs> yeah. They're going to get blown off the ball. <laughs> They've got an F-150 worth of offensive <laughs> linemen just ready to plow through. We have got the Pittsburgh Panthers at Penn State. Penn State are 17.5-point favorites. Hmm. Penn State uh, was kept Buffalo really close the first half, and then they took off. It's at Penn State? Yep, at Penn State. And that game is at 12 o'clock Eastern. Give me Penn State. Pitt has sucked. Give me Penn State. I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to go Pitt to cover. It was close a few years ago, but la- I think the last... Are they are they playing every year now? I think so. I think last year Penn State blew them out, so I don't think it's been that close. But Pitt was not good last year either. No, and they beat Ohio 20-10 to 10 last week, which Ohio's been solid, but... Pitt didn't look great during that whole game, though. No, they kind of... Ohio looked ready to to get them for the first quarter and a half or so, but Pitt's defense, I think Pitt's defense is going to be enough for what Penn State seems to be a slow-starting offense. Yeah. Uh, the last game you guys knew about, we have Stanford at UCF, and Central Florida are seven-point favorites. Ooh. You know what? Give me Central Florida to, to cover. I'm going the same way. Agreed. I think Stanford's going to They get apart. Sm- They get smoked by Graham Harrell only to go and uh, – Play a and, faster yeah, offense. Exactly. <laughs> and against another yeah, against basically the same offense, but with a better run game. Let's see what Wimbush does against him. So is it harder for 
a West Coast team to come out and play East, right? Yeah, usually. So the game's at two thirty East. I'm sorry, three thirty Eastern. So it's an eleven o'clock game oh, for those bastards. Okay, so it won't be a big change for them. If it was an eleven o'clock game, I think UCF stops. But I think it's probably going to end up being first quarter, maybe first half. UCF struggles. Stanford holds them pretty well, and then eventually the breaks are off, and UCF's just running. All right, our two two surprise games of the week: TCU at Purdue. Purdue one and a half point favorites. Ooh. Can TCU contain Rondale Moore? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. To be contrarian, I'm going to say that TCU wins. Ooh, just outright. So they cover and they win? Yeah. I think I'm going to go TCU as well. Only because they took the, they took the week off, I believe, last week. Yeah, they only played one game so far. Yeah. Hmm. See, Purdue is weird because they outgained Nevada by quite a bit and just had a bunch of turnovers. So I don't... And if there's anything TCU should do and that Gary Patterson can possibly do, it's make offenses uncomfortable and possibly turn the ball yeah. over. But I think Sindelar had a much better game last week against Vanderbilt. I think he had like 500 yards passing, didn't he? Something crazy. He handled them with ease. I'm going to be I'm gonna be a contrarian to Kyle's contrarianness. <laughs> Take Purdue. Purdue to cover. Yeah. All they need is a field goal. Over under set at fifty three on that game, by the way, which I think might seems be, low. It seems really low. Is is TCU's quarterback play any better this year? It was awful last year. Uh, so the week one um, to be determined. That I think I think the they played Arkansas Pine Bluff and they weren't phenomenal. But overall, all right. So here's so is Max Max Duggan. I think is moving forward as their quarterback. Even if it's not, it's a guy named Alex Delton, which is close enough to Andy Dalton that maybe. <laughs> so here's here's their scoring summary against Arkansas Pine Bluff, a very bad team. Field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. Gave up a touchdown. Touchdown for TCU, field goal, touchdown. That's a lot of field goals. That's one, That's two, three, four, team. five, six against a bad team. I don't think TCU scores more than 20. But can they keep Purdue to only score 19 is really the question, I no. guess. You know, that's, I don't think they will. That's going to be the trick. All right. And finally, we have Alabama at South Carolina. Alabama are 21-point favorites. <laughs> I think the Helensky magic at South Carolina is going to be enough for them to cover. Yeah, give me, give me the fighting Helenskys to... Uh, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to cover and it's at South, South Carolina and it's an afternoon game as well 3.30 it's going to be hot as hell but South Carolina just came off I believe their highest scoring game ever 72 to 10 yeah yeah let's let's go South Carolina are we all on South Carolina to cover I think so boy it's it's uh, Alabama's gonna end up smoking them by 35 now <laughs> yeah yeah all right, gentlemen, do you have anything else before we uh, we end this and get rolling towards week three? Did I think I'm got... set. Oh, go. Do it. I, I need to confirm this. Is this week, is it true that there's no ranked teams playing each other? I saw that on ESPN, I think. 
Is that right? Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that the only thing that was scheduled was going to be Syracuse-Clemson, and Syracuse made quick work of that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they didn't. Their, their, their side of the bargain, um, they did not hold it very well. No. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And just kind of looking at the top 25 right now, I don't see any matchups here. This, this honestly, it looks like the worst week that we've had in terms of big matchups. Yeah, I thought what week one was bad, but this might actually be worse. I love I love El Asico and all that all that it brings, but for that to be your game day game kind of tells you something too. Yeah. I think low key the most competitive game in the evening. So anybody that's listening, if you want a good one, Northern Illinois at Nebraska is going to be a dog fight, a husky fight really? to be exact. Yeah, I think I think Northern Illinois <laughs> beat them outright not too long ago, and they looked uh, really good last week. Even since uh, Rod Carey went to Temple, right? Yes, that's ooh, that's you know what that wow. makes that makes the uh, the Maryland game all the more interesting. Yeah, so they played and lost to Utah eventually, but they fought Utah the entire game, and I don't think Utah really ran away with it until midway through the third. I think Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois is up to the task. I did have uh, I did have one more team I want to discuss. Um, yeah. There's a team that's now in first place in their division. They wore some really fresh all-white jerseys this weekend. Oh, I think are we are we talking about the SMU Mustangs? <laughs> yeah, two and zero, oh, baby. Those Dallas City of Dallas uh, uniforms were fantastic. They were great. We hammered North Texas. Yeah, I cannot believe how good Shane Bichelle looks. And what's the guy's name? Robertson? Robinson? Yeah, Robinson. Robertson. Oh the my second. god, he's insane. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's weird because I think I think all the transfers in that SMU took, including Bichelle, is putting Sonny Dykes' timeline. It's moving it up about a year and a half. We shouldn't be this good this quick, but the defense looked better. The defense should continue to improve, and the offense is showing no signs of slowing down. It's nice watching a football team that you like win. I'm not totally used <laughs> to it all the time. It's really fun when it happens. It, it doesn't feel overdue, but, you know, Chad Morris had us turned around right at the same time he left. So for us to kind of grab Shane Bichelle, keep it rolling and scoring 37 and 49 points, I, I think I think there's a good chance, especially with how poor South Florida looks, Tulsa's not looked great. Houston's looked sketchy. I think this might be a really good season that may see us end up going to the conference championship, which I'd be thrilled with because it's not what I, I would have. I would not have guessed that going in at all. Do you think if things go well this season, Dykes will stick around for a while? You'd be hard pressed to find, I think, a, a more right fit for a Dallas team or a Texas team than Sonny Dykes. His dad coached at Texas Tech. He's kind of a Texas high school football legend. Not unlike Chad Morris. The difference, I think, is Sonny Dykes went, did the thing at Arizona as an offensive coordinator, did the head coaching job at Cal, and kind of fell on his ass a little bit. So I think mm-hmm. I think he's in it for the long haul. And, and SMU's doing a lot of really cool stuff for local marketing where every player that's a significant player for them that's from one of the suburbs, they're basically – putting up these big advertisements 
for the team using that player in his neighborhood. So if they're from Cedar Hill, or if they're from Granbury, or they're from Grapevine or Little Elm, there's a big, big advertisement off the side of the highway that's got a hometown player wearing SMU gear, basically saying, come watch the Mustangs. So they're, they're trying to... Those games are boring as fuck to go to. Going to the hilltop, going to—I mean, seriously—they—they—they they, they kind of skew Notre Dame in a lot of ways. And then it's a very—I don't know how much you know about SMU, Jeff, but I'm trying to think of a Charlotte or a North Carolina equivalent. It's the exact opposite of your typical Appalachian State student. So it's probably a rich, entitled kid, a lot of money from the family. Cocaine has been known to be around. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird program, but a great academic program and the environment. So you're football. looking for a, uh, you're looking for a comp Duke. Duke is not a bad, yeah, that's a, you know, it's a really good one, except on a smaller scale and a better, and a better business school. Who? Fight me, Duke fans. <laughs> Trick uh, question. Never been one. There's never been a business school in Duke? No, there's never been a Duke fan. Ooh, that's a good question. You know, that's a good point. Cutcliffe has been playing in front of 1,500 people for years now. <laughs> they're all just getting ready for basketball season. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're amping up. They're, they're just, they're out in the stands stretching out their Nikes, getting ready for the yeah. game. <laughs> Pumping some basketballs. They're, they're just up there, they're out there doing calf stretches so they can jump up and down like idiots in the stands. Ugh. They just all show up to the basketball arena to watch the football on the screen and do the whole, yeah. stuff, the whole Cameron <laughs> the watch bit. party. I think uh, I think that's going to do it for the run pot option for us. Kyle, Jeff, thank you for sticking around, and we will see you after week three. Sounds good. Say bye, Jeff. Au revoir.